0: Be studying about um, preaching, studying, whatever you want to call it today. We're going to be um, looking at ecclesia. We're going to be talking about ecclesia today. Ecclesia, right? The church. So we're going to be talking about. So while you're looking up Matthew chapter 16, children's church. Nursery is moving in this direction. Ages 4 to 12, and the nursery um, 0 to 3. How's that? You know, I always love to watch the parade. Sorry. I, I sit and I always watch the parade because this is really the church that is up and coming. This is the ecclesia that is up and coming and we really have to work diligently at getting them trained to be the ecclesia because I know that Ron and Sal are not going to be standing in the back ushering till they're 90 years old. Pastor Jay and I are not going to be up here preaching the word till we're 90 years old and so we need to prepare those that are coming after us so that they can understand and identify who they are they are ecclesia alright this is all good stuff this is all word I'm excited about the word I'm not going to finish it today I already gave Pastor Jay the heads up that I'm running into next week. Sorry about that. But I'm running, my topic is running into next week. But um, I think that as church, we need to know who we are. See? And so let's start reading in verse 15. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in uh, verse 15. We're going to read 15 through 19. Alguien necesita equipo de traducción. Nosotros lo vamos a ayudar a ustedes a entender cómo usar el equipo. Si necesita equipo, simplemente eh, vaya a la parte de atrás. Aquí ustedes van a ver unos mujeres y ellos los van a ayudar, ¿okay? Si usted necesita equipo de traducción, no hay problema con eso. Right? And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said to them. And this is Jesus speaking. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Isn't that wonderful words? Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word which continues to just build us, continues to develop us. Continues to draw us closer and closer to you. Let us learn to be doers of the word, not just hearers. But let us be compelled to honor you, Lord, by fulfilling your word. We thank you for all these things in God's people. Said, Amen. Well, well, well. We're going to be talking about Ecclesia today, and um, I want to start with this chapter sixteen of Matthew. And, you know, when you, when you read the word, and many of you are reading the word, uh, I was learning this yesterday. Uh, because Pastor Jay and I, because we're pastors doesn't mean that we're not on a continuous learning mode. We're constantly learning. And uh, one of the things I was, I was studying this week um, was about when we read the word, you have to see who the word was written for, okay? Was it written for the Jewish people? Was it written for us, the Gentiles? Was it written for those that will, uh, have not accepted the Lord as their Lord and Savior? So when we read the word, we have to ask the question, who was this written for? What is the teaching in here? Is it for me or is it informational for me to understand and have a greater understanding of who God is? See? And so I learned that. So as I'm I'm reading this chapter, uh, 16, I started in verse 15, but I recommend that you start at verse 1, uh, read the whole chapter. And um, it takes place, Jesus is having this discussion with his disciples in, in an interesting place, which is called Caesarea of Philippi. And Caesarea of Philippi is 25 miles north of Galilee, and it's... Uh, it, there's a mountain there called Mount Hernan. Um, and people avoid this area because it's largely a pagan area. And so, we, when we went to Israel, and those of you that have gone to Israel, you might have gone, they made it a tourist attraction, a tourist site. And when you go there, it's, it's this huge, dark cave. And, There's a statue of a pagan god in front of it. And so there's a lot of people going in and out, in and out. And I remember that when we got there, I told my husband, there's something about this place. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't researched it. But I told him, I don't feel comfortable in this place. I'm not going in that cave. It was a huge cave. And I have since learned to understand that um, within that cave, they practice human sacrifices, to pagan gods. See? And so there's a feeling and a sense to the area, and Jesus selects this one place to have this discussion with his disciples about who he is. And I said, Wow, Lord, there is nothing that God does that's coincidental. Everything he does with purpose and intention. See? Everything he does in our lives is with purpose and intention. See, nothing just happens by coincidence in your life. So as followers of Christ, we always need to ask, God, what is the divine purpose behind this this situation that I'm in or what's happening to me or the events that I'm experiencing? Lord, I know that as a follower of Christ, everything that I experience in my life is going to lead me to that point where I am going to see your divinity displayed on my behalf. That's how, as, as Christians, that's how we should be thinking and talking. Not just, oh, why does all these things happen to me? Nobody else. This only happens to me. See? This only, why does this only happen to me? You ever say that? I've said it many a time. You know? If there's a million people, I remember when, when doctors give you ads and they say, one in 300 people are going to get this. I always say, why do I have to be the one in 300? Why can't I be that one that gets the million dollar, you know, hundred million dollar lottery? You know, one in a bazillion people. Why, why can't I be that one? Now, why do I have to be the one in 300 that you're saying is going to get this condition? See, but now I've learned to say, Lord, I'm stepping and walking through this. And I know that you have divine purposes at the end. I'm going to see it all clearly. I don't understand it now. I don't understand why this is happening. But I know that because I follow your lead and the steps of a righteous man are directed by God, I'm walking in this. And I know that you're going to give me the revelation to it. And then I'm going to be able to say, aha, I knew that there was something in this. See? This is is the way we have to, to learn to live. So Jesus has this conversation. And really this conversation is about identity. Do you know who I am? See? And in likewise, it's do you know who you are? See? When you read, when you read it. And so <clears throat> I went to the dictionary. You know I always have to have at least one definition for you. And I went in the dictionary and I looked up identity and it says, is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. What distinguishes you? What makes you different from other people? See? We all are human beings and we all look alike and we all have the same color blood. But there are, there are different little subtleties in who we are and our personalities that make me unique from you and you from the other person and so forth and so on. And so here it's, a, it's about identity and Jesus is really asking them, do, you know, do the people know who I am? Do you know who I am? You know. And so we, we find him asking this question and he says, who do people say? that the son of man is, and of course, there's Peter, you know, but at that point, he's called, he's called Simon, if you, if you're reading the scripture, his name was Simon, and there's something that's going on here, where God does a change to Simon's, and he says, you are Peter, now see, when people read this scripture, they always read it as, you are Peter, and you're the rock I'm going to build on, haven't we heard that a gazillion times? See, haven't we, haven't we heard that a gazillion times? And there's even religions that have been built on Peter being that rock and Peter being that first pope, right? And yet, what God is doing here, there's, there's things going on, more than one thing on this sentence. And the one thing is, the first thing is, he changed his name from, from Simon to now we're calling you Peter. And then he says, on this rock I'm building, well, would you want to be part of a church that's built on Peter? Right? It hasn't even happened yet where he is going to betray the Lord. And so you're saying, wait a minute, are we building the foundation of this church on Peter? And we're going to see through scripture that we build, the church is built on the foundation of Christ. He's the rock. See? And so as as we're going through the scripture, we understand that the identity of Jesus, Him being identified as the Son of Man, and actually we see Son of David, um, we see Son of Man. The first time that we're identifying Jesus as the Christ, the Anointed One, is Peter. Peter saying, "This is you, who you are," and and Jesus said, "Well, how did he respond?" you got that revelation from heaven. My father gave you that revelation. You didn't just come up with that on your own, but my father gave you that revelation, see? And so we look at that verse. That's verse 18 where it talks about Peter and on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. Now, when you go to the Greek, because this is, this is a, a, a play on Greek words. When you, when you, when you look at the Greek word, the, the word for Peter is, is um, petros, right? Petros. And that means a stone, a small rock found along a pathway. So that's a small rock found along the pathway. Now, the word that is used for the rock here is petros. No, I'm sorry. Petros was Peter. Petra. Petra, I'm sorry, Petra. And Petra means, and I love this this definition, comes straight out of the Greek dictionary. It's, the, the definition for Petra is a mass of connected rock. A mass of connected rock. And when I, when I saw that, I said, you know what? That's us. As we come together, Jesus is the cornerstone. As we come together, we... We, we become knitted into or hinged into or drafted into, grafted, excuse me, grafted into this rock, which is Jesus. See? So a massive connected rock, and it's a solid rock, and, and I love this part, rising up from the earth. Rising up from the earth. So when you look at Petra, Peter, Peter, Small rock and you look at Petros, which is the large rock that is a connected rock, I begin to the, the other way around. This Petra and this Petros. Now you see how easy it is to, to to mix the two. Petros is Peter, small rock. Petra is the mass connected rock rising up from the earth. And so when you see that, you realize that Jesus is the only rock on which this church the church can be built okay we're getting that jesus builds he's the head of the church and from this moment on, we're going to talk about the church and we're going to call it ecclesia so look at the person next to you and you say are you ecclesia are, are you hannah are you ecclesia miss hannah are you ecclesia I'm not sure if I am or I'm not. Am I Ecclesia? Now, if we go to the scripture and we read Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Colossians 1, 18. It says, And he, who is he? Jesus. Is the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything he is preeminent. So when we think of the building of the the church, we know that it can't be Peter because then that would mean that Jesus would not be preeminent in all things. Jesus is preeminent in all things. That means he is the head of the church. He is the one that builds the body of the church. And so we are the body of the church, right? We know that God guides us in all this understanding of his word through his word that he gives us, right? Prophecy, godly counsel, and circumstances in our lives. He guides us. He's building the church, and the church is not a building. Repeat with with me. The church is not a building, all right? This is a place where we gather together, but the church is people, people. And when we talk about the church, it's, it's not limited to just an exclusive club, but it's anyone who will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, right? is part of the church. God sees us, and in his scripture, he speaks to us in three different groups, He speaks to the Jews. He speaks to the Gentiles, right? And sometimes in your Bible, you're going to see Gentiles, or you're going to see also the word nations. He speaks to the nations, and he speaks to the church, and that's us. I'm so excited to be part of the church. Do you realize that God felt that you and I were of quality to be part of a church See, he, he, he didn't think that, you know, I wasn't sufficient. He had to make me another nationality or another, another group. He says, you are going to be part of the church. We've been selected by God. Everyone's called, but not everyone responds. We've been selected by God to be part of the church. And that means that we have to understand our identity, who we are in Christ, and also who we are as Ecclesia." See, and we have to feel honored that God would sacrifice his life so that out of that sacrifice would come forth and be birthed the church. Do you you understand that? We're not chump change, okay? We're not the pennies that were left behind when nobody wanted. No, There was an extreme sacrifice, a blood sacrifice that had to take place. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 tells us that we were purchased by his own blood. Do you understand? Do you understand how much God wanted you and wanted me? That he said, I'm willing to take this wherever it may lead me, to the end so that I could then die on their behalf, shed, shed blood on their behalf, so that they would have an opportunity to get back to God's original intent. And what was God's original intent? Mount Sinai was God's original intent as we exiled from Egypt was God's original. His original intent was the Garden of Eden. To bring all things back to the beginning. All things back to alignment with him. Where you can talk to God and walk with God. And experience him with an intimacy that we never can. While we are living in this body that continues to pull us in all directions. Our flesh is constantly pulling us to do things that appeal to us. Constantly. Listen, why do you think people get locked up in monasteries? Because out of sight, out of mind, if I don't see the sin, I don't want it. But you know what? Even inside the monasteries, if you went back to the to the history, you find all the things that were going on in the monasteries and underneath the monasteries, oh yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. It pays to read a little. All the dead babies that were found underneath. in the basements of monasteries where, you know, we're locked away. But guess what? Sin is still within us. It's still part of our nature. Even the little baby, when they're born, it's already the seed of sin is within them. That's what we inherited. And so God says, I want to take you back to the beginning. Okay? And this is the process that we're going through. But for us to be able to have that opportunity to have relationship with God, it cost something. Don't ever think that this is a cheap salvation just because you're getting it freely. That it didn't cost somebody something. It cost a big, heavy, deep, pocketed price. All right? And so, the early church, um, the first 300 years of the uh, the early church, They used to meet in homes and in caves and underground, the underground churches. And if you've had an opportunity to go to those underground churches, wow. I I remember when we went to one of them, Pastor Jay was like, get me out of here. I am so claustrophobic right now. Because what you had to go through in order to get to them You know, it it was narrow spaces and low ceilings. And when you went in there, you would find carved into the stone, the signs of the Christians, you know, the fish carved into stones. And this is where they met in in, in dark places um, just to have that opportunity to come together in fellowship. We take coming together so lightly. And the coming together... These people were willing to put their lives on the line, and it still happens today, to just come together and share experiences of God together. I'm not in this walk by myself. There's somebody else that's walking it with me. I'm not going through the struggles and the persecutions by myself. I have somebody else that's being persecuted with me. And both of us together, we're standing and taking our stand for the cause of Christ. See, that's, that's what it's about. Don't take lightly coming together in God's house. Because you know when we're going to desire it? The day that they put a lock on all the churches and say, you can't practice this anymore. Then all of a sudden, we're desperately looking for a church. Isn't that what usually happens? When persecution, if you read the word, read the word. Don't, don't take it by me. But when persecution started hitting that early group of believers, the, 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 the scripture tells us that the church began to grow and expand. Now, now, who could understand that? You're in persecution and you're growing and you're expanding? Yes. Because then everybody else is starting to get the message that this is serious business. And guess what? If they're keeping me from this, they're trying to keep me from God. And, oh, I can't have that. I have to get myself to a group. So don't take it lightly. When you're meeting, you know, this cottage night, don't take that lightly. Because for 300 years, our brothers and sisters that started this walk, right? They met in homes. And don't you know that every time you go into someone's home, you bless it. Bless it. What did Jesus tell the disciples? He said, if they invite you in, bless them. If they reject you and refuse you, what did he say? He said, take your shoes, right? Take your, you know, shake off the dust from your feet, and keep walking. Don't even, don't even listen, don't take nothing away from them, not even the dust. Just shake it off and keep on going. Don't leave your blessing there. When we have cottage night, those homes become blessed by the presence of all the people that gather and also by the prayers that are said there. Don't take it lightly. This is, this is an opportunity for us to experience what the primitive church experienced. The coming together of fellowship is so important, right? So, did we read First Corinthians or not? We didn't. Let's read it. First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. First Corinthians three nine, right? It says, "For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's, God's field, God's building." I'm God's building, you're God's building, see, me. We have the opportunity to worship God in this place. And while this place continues to be on this corner of 10th and Allen, this is a lighthouse to this community. Do you realize if this church wasn't here, this neighborhood would be maybe 10 times worse than it is now? It is the presence of this church, the prayers that come out of this church, The intention with which we gather that pours out blessings to those around us. See, in uh, two months, we're going to start evangelism. We gear up for evangelism. And let me tell you, every place that you set your foot, every place you set your foot is holy ground. And as we go out throughout this neighborhood, every place that you step your foot on, we're declaring it for God. See, you remember the scripture when Moses was um, shepherding, right? And he sees the burning bush. Now, you all got to that section in your reading, right? Mm -hmm. I'm looking around. Mm -hmm. And so he sees the burning bush, and as he gets to it, what does God tell him? He said, take your sandals off your feet because the the ground you are standing on is holy ground. Remember that? This world is totally contaminated and polluted by sin. When God came down into that burning bush, he totally consecrated that land. Moses had sandals on his feet, which were most likely... um, uh, manuf- oh, not manufactured, but, but you know what I mean. I'm looking for the right word. Handmade, right? By animal, dead, animal skin. So God doesn't want anything that's dead to come before him, anything that's dead, to try to make contact with what He has declared holy. Are you getting that? You're getting the revelation in the word. And so wherever we step in this neighborhood, when we start to evangelize, every place, I want you to go out there with that mindset. Every place that I step on, I'm declaring holy ground. I'm declaring a decrease of violence. I'm declaring a decrease of of poverty. I'm coming up against that spirit of poverty. I am declaring. And see, once you push things out, you got to put some stuff in. So if we're pushing out violence, we're pushing out abuse of children. If we're pushing out domestic violence, if we're pushing out all these things, we need to be calling on and claiming, and we're going to be talking about binding and loosening, calling in those things of God to come in. Unity, peace, joy. You know, all the things that we want to pray into our community as we step We're declaring it. All right? That's going to be happening. Be a part of that. Because you know what? You are ecclesia, And this is one of the functions of ecclesia. Right? So, let's, let's go on. It's a bunch of good stuff. I don't know. I know that's not proper English, but it just feels good to say it that way. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19 through 22. Let's see what it says. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Look at that. We're not undocumented. Right? There's such a big thing about immigration and and being documented or not documented or But we're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on what? Now, let's see what is it built on. What is the foundation of the church built on? On the apostles and the prophets. Now, who taught the apostles and who gave word to the prophets? Here we we go. Here we go. Here we go. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom, what? Well, mine just said, my tr- we will say chief cornerstone, chief. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. See, you and me together. He's building the structure of the church which becomes the holy temple of the Lord. And where does God inhabit? Within us. The Holy Spirit inhabits within us. We are temples of God. We are the temple of God. Right? In him who you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Verses, he's building us together we are his holy temple, and he's bringing us together so we could dwell together. What does dwell mean? Dwell together. Right? In the spirit. Mm-mm-mm, that's a good word. So the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. I'm not saying it, the scripture's saying it. And it doesn't say apostle, right? Because then we could say, well, that was Peter. It says the apostles with an S, meaning plural, the apostles. Because the last that I read, the apostles gave their lives for this cause, except for John, the beloved. They all died by the spear. They all died beheaded. They all died on cross. They all died for this cause. You know? We have to remember that. We have to remember that. And so where was I? So we are members of a kingdom. We are. We're citizens. We are family. No, I'm not singing that song. It flashed through my head. I'm like, Mm-mm. Mm. "Out." That's not the one I want to sing. In Jesus' name, out. Right. I want you to get a feel for what God wants for us. The unity. See, when there's unity within the body of Christ, things happen. Wonderful, supernatural things happen. That's why God is so against division in the church. He's so against conflict in the church. You know what I'm saying? He's so against that because it it brings down what the church together as one body can do. When we get, these are distractions. You know that, right? Distractions that the enemy plants, you know. He throws the little, we studied this the last time I preached, one of the last times I preached. He throws the little darts. See, and if you're not wearing your helmet then the dart hits. And so the dart hits of the enemy and he implants thoughts in your head, you know. And what happens is we start to, to have these petty things. See, we don't bother with that here because we have a, what is it, a three-day? Who remembers? The Lazarus principle that the dead body begins to stink after three days, right? And so after three days, if you haven't solved your issue then pastor and I step in and we try to bring some resolution to your issue. And so people don't want to get to us and so what they eventually do is resolve it. Right? Resolve it. Because it's not worth us affecting the body because somebody stepped on your big toe. You understand? Yeah, it hurt momentarily, but it's not like your toe fell off. Let let us put it into perspective the things that we get carried you know we could carry on about some of the stuff that we carry on about is petty so we you know you're well advised so we don't have to go through that we want to be ecclesia now what else gives me an understanding that jesus is the rock and not peter daniel chapter 2 verses 34 and 35 daniel chapter 2 verse 34 and 35 what does it say As you looked, a stone was, out, was cut out by no human hand, hmm. and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors." And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone, the Petra, that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, who is that? It's Jesus, the rock. Jesus struck the Roman Empire. I don't think the Roman Empire, you know, ever was able to stay. And we know that it didn't stay on its feet after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that. Where's the Roman Empire today? I don't know. Where are they? But at the moment of history that they were in power, they were ruthless and they were, you know, they were taking over every part of land that they could get their hands on, right? So where are they today? Nowhere around. No soldiers, no legions. They're not around. Because Jesus being the rock struck that kingdom and it came down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Now, around this time, synagogues were established because before that, people just gathered in homes or in caves. But synagogues, synagogues um, before that, synagogues were established because people wanted to get, come together in worship. See, and the places weren't big enough, so they, they established synagogues. And in Luke chapter 4, it speaks to us of Jesus preaching. You know, people wanted to keep him. Oh, stay here with us. And he would say, no, but I've got I've to take this word to other synagogues. And we see that in the scripture. So let's sum this little part up. What have we learned? We learned that Jesus is the head, right? We we are just the under shepherds. He's the great shepherd. He leads us and guides us. We work with him, we're fellow workers, we're part of his field, we are his building. If you need a word building, We learned that Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia. And we know that Jesus said, I will build it on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So the words that they've taught you and the words that they've been given by revelation of the Holy Spirit. These are the things on which I will build the foundation of the church, the ecclesia. So what is the ecclesia? Ecclesia was... Actually, around 500 years before Jesus, there was this concept of ecclesia, and it was in the Greek culture. So the Jewish people understood this from the Greek culture. And so they were familiar with this word and what it meant, what it signified. Ecclesia is a Greek word, which means the church. It's a Greek word. And you would say, now, why did Jesus use a Greek word and not a Hebrew word? He chose a, a, a Greek word to be inclusive. See? Including. That's the thing about the church. We as the church seek to include all nations. We're not exclusive. We are inclusive. Right? When we read Revelation, it tells us that before God stood People of all nations, all colors, all tribes, all languages. So the church is inclusive. And so he he picks this word that they were familiar with and says, I'm I'm going to build my ecclesia. And ecclesia, and I got this from the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. It's a name given to a political or government assembly in the city of Athens. So that's where that word ecclesia came from. Let's break it down even more. All right? And we're going to break up the word ekklesia to ek and lesia. How's that? And so ek means act out. And this is not a tantrum. This is not acting out like a tantrum. This is act out, that what we do is visible. Because the world can't see our hearts and can't see what our intentions are. The world can see the actions that we do. Okay? And so, ek means act out, and lesia means called out one. Called out one. Out of this building, out of your home, into society, into the different spheres of society. We are called to be out there. All right? And what was the purpose of eklesia? This is what Ecclesia did. in in, in Athens, in the Greek culture, okay? They will call out the citizens of the community to assemble in a public place, right? To legislate issues that had to do with politics and society and military and civil issues and even to battle and and, uh, mobilize the people, this is what they did, they will call the community and everyone will come out into a public place. And so what God wants us to do is to be out there. You cannot only be a follower of Christ inside these walls. The scripture calls us to be salt and light. Salt and light. Because we all salt and light, it's easy to be salt and light here. But can you be salt and light in a world that needs a little seasoning and a, and a world that needs, in the midst of their darkness, a little light? See? You ever notice in darkness, you just put one little light, and that one little light, it just stands out in darkness. Just look up in the middle of the night. Just look up at the stars when it's night, dark out. You see all those little stars, those little lights? They're so bright in a dark You know, sky. And so, can we be salt and light in the midst of darkness? And so, as salt and light, we're called to legislate. Yeah, we're called to mandate, establish, and regulate. Well, how do we do that, pastor? Are we going to go out there with, you know, some big billboards and some banners and regulate it? How do we do it? God tells us to do it through prayer. Are you hearing me? Prayer. The one thing people don't want to hear, oh, give me something, dumbass! I want to hear prayer. Prayer. Through prayer, we're supposed to change government, family, business, education, and check this one out: Hollywood Arts and Entertainment. Hollywood Arts and Entertainment. That's why whenever we see a Christian movie is being promoted by Christian producers or whoever, and the theme is want to inspire you, we put it up. We'll show you the trailer. We encourage you to support those things that are trying to change what Hollywood has become. You know, I love, I love watching old movies. I'm a big old movie fan. Big, big, big. You know, I like my, this is a public service announcement, I like my Turner Classic movie, I like that stuff. And you know why I love it so much is because when I look at these old movies, there's always a component of God in them. You, you, you ever notice that? Well, if you, if you ever see this. But they sit at the table to eat dinner as a family. What a concept. No cell phones. Wow. And they always said grace when they sat down to eat. I'll be like, look at that. And they always prayed. In the movies, yeah, seriously, you don't find that in the movies today. It's bleep, 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 bleep. If they had to bleep out every bad word in the movies, you would just be sitting there going, "Huh? What is this story about?" They got into the point that they're so tired of bleep, bleep, bleeping out every word that now they don't bleep them out. On television, you gotta really watch what your children are watching because I'm amazed at the things I hear sometimes. I'm like, woo, DVD for Lucas, we definitely ain't watching no TV today. We, no, DVD, Veggie Tales. Beauty and the Beat. Beauty and the Beat. Beauty and the Beat, beat. (laughs) okay. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. You, you flung it and I caught it. <laughs> All right. Where was I? <laughs> the movies, Hollywood. And so, if you... If you <laughs> we, we're legislating. So, if you look at this list, you realize how much the enemy has taken territory in each one of these lists. Just, just think of the list. Government... Yeah, they told us that we could not have Christians involved in government. This whole thing about separation of church and state, when that was never a law, that was a minister that had written a letter to, to someone in government, and all of a sudden that became law from a letter. You got to do your research on that stuff. So they told us we couldn't be in government, and we all pulled back. See, and now there's some individuals that happen to be Christian that want to be part of legislature, and they say, wait a minute, we don't want no Christians in here. Separation of church and state. Nonsense. Families, look how families are being affected. The enemy has taken ground, and we have not been legislating the way we're supposed to, praying down these things. Businesses. uh Uh-huh. I don't think I could hear you back there, hold on.
1: Georgetown, George, George, or George Washington University, I don't know if any of you heard it on the news. They had a conference where they're inviting college students so that they could be trained how to oppose Christianity and Christian principles in the colleges and in the university. This was done as a test, and it's supposed to be a pilot for what most, if not all, universities will be incorporating into their uh, curriculum classes on how to train students to stand up against Christian principles and values. Now, out of all the religions in the world, the only one that the colleges right now are focused on equipping their students to stand up against is against the values of Christianity. So, folks, you're hearing it here. Turn on your television. It's happening right before our very eyes. And if we don't wake up, and if we don't legislate through prayer, I ain't fearing for me. I'm fearing for the little guys, my grandchildren. What are they going to face if we don't start legislating and begin to be the ecclesia? It's happening. Turn on your news. Watch it. It's happening right before our very eyes.
0: No, I'm glad that you said because I didn't see that in the news. Um, but you see how there's important things happening out there that we as Christians have to connect and say, oh, my Lord, we have really taken a seat back. We're so busy entertaining ourselves, really. We're so busy having the theatrical displays in the church, and we're so busy, you know, doing all this stuff to, to captivate the interests of the people that really all we need to have is God in our place. God is the one that draws the, pe- the people you understand? And so if we display God, and we displayed him, if we prayed and we sought him out, then you know what? These, the enemy would not have the power that he has over these things. We would lessen the influence of the enemy on these things if we pray correctly. Prayer is important. So when we call prayer, so we have prayer time here, Wednesdays before, wow. And wow, do we have few people that show up. Wow. You see, because we have to start seeing as ecclesia. Are you ecclesia? Oh, ask the person next to you again. Are you ecclesia? Because if we're ecclesia, we're supposed to be seeing the importance of prayer. Now, if we can't pray together as a group, really, you mean to tell me that I am supposed to believe that you pray when you're on your own? I'm, listen, I ain't looking nowhere. I'm not looking at you, Ron. I'm looking at this column right here. Let's be honest and let's be real. We're in God's house. Let's be honest and let's be real. The time that we feel more compelled to read our word, the time we feel more compelled to pray, the more time that we feel compelled to seek the Lord is when we're in his house. You understand? And so it's important that we also have a prayer life. You're not only praying for yourself and your needs. We're praying for a nation that's going to hell. That's the only way to say it. They're going to hell. See, we're praying for these, you saw the parade? For these children that are confronting the, I mean, things that we have never confronted in our lives in school. When I went to school and I'm not that old, we used to pray before school started in the classrooms. And I'm not that old. Do you understand? That That went out the door. You can't even bring up anything religious in school anymore. See, and so these kids are confronting issues and pressures and, and influences that are demonic that, you know, unless you ground your children, you have to ground them in the word. You understand? Ground them in the word. Listen, the other day, I was telling my husband this morning, the other day, um, which I rarely let him see, but he was watching TV. Lucas was watching TV. And he looked and he said, Grammy? They need Jesus, right? And I say, yes, baby, they do. And I switched the channel. <laughs> they need Jesus. See? So there's influences, even in the little kids, with things that are demonic. Vampires are not introduced to them. And, and sleeping, little kids sleeping in coffins. And that's what it was referring to. And he saw it and he said, Grammy, they, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Uh, yes, they do, honey. Come on. Let's go see Tales. See? And so, these are the kind of things that I'm telling you. We're not only praying about ourselves. We're praying about the rest of the ecclesia, which are these kids that are coming up. Because if we don't start praying for them, and we don't start teaching them the principles that they need from the apostles and the prophets. If we don't start teaching them, there will be no ecclesia. There will be no churches of worship. They They won't be here. Small little groups, hiding in caves, trying to read the word. See, and so it is important for us, all of you parents, you know that this, I wasn't even going to say this, this wasn't in my notes for this week, but on Wednesday, you saw that parade that came through here? On Wednesday, there were two children here for children's church, two. Well, pastor, I didn't come to, we only have service one day in the week. Pastor, I didn't come and I didn't bring my kids, but I read them a Bible story every night before they go to sleep. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at this column right here. I'm going to look over here you reading a Bible story to your child when they go to sleep? You honestly think they're remembering that? Not to mention that you have not created in them a sense of community. A community in faith. Not just community, my neighbor. Community in faith that they need in order to be able to stand and withstand the pressures of the enemy that they're going to be confronting every day in school. Even from from kindergarten, they're already teaching them what is the makeup of a family. And believe me, it's not mom, dad, and kids. The makeup of the family has changed. To mom, mom, dad, dad, and kids. See? And so, if we don't teach our children, if we don't let them have a sense of community, who do you think they're going to have community and fellowship with? They're still having it with the world. If you don't start developing friendships... For your kids within a community of faith, they will not have other children that they can identify with and connect with in their struggles. You have to think about all of that. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the parents that are coming to tell me, Pastor, I'm having struggles with my kid. And I'm going to ask them, when was the last time you brought them to a prayer service? Because this is one thing about this church. We had prayer services and our children used to fill the prayer service groups. Who remembers that? Am I the only one? Yeah. Every prayer service, children were represented there. They were getting a sense of having a prayer life. Now, on, on Wednesday, we had two kids. There might have been more, but I didn't I didn't see Pastor Gates because they might have been downstairs. But up here there was two kids. Two. And so that tells me how much community of faith are we giving our kids. But that was not on my notes. That was a bonus. Right? Amen to that. I'm almost done. I'm almost done for today. So if you're not engaged in prayer, then you're not Ecclesia. Because that's one of the functions of Ecclesia. What did the Ecclesia devote themselves to? Let's see. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, right? We already confirmed that. And the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Look what they, look what they devoted themselves to. Four things, right? Teaching, you have to learn. We provide so much teaching in this church. So much teaching. But in order to get it, you got to be here. That sounds like a commercial. In order to get, right? Anyway. Keep going. Huh? Yeah. Look at that. It says teaching. You have to be here for the teaching. We do a lot of teaching. If you don't learn anything, it's because you don't want to. Tons of teaching. Fellowship. The coming together, community of faith, that's so important. You got to have that fellowship, right? The breaking of bread, what is that? Right? And prayer, prayer. Those are the four things that Ecclesia devoted themselves to. Hmm. Back to Matthew chapter 16. It speaks of the gates of hell, right? The gates of hell is a portal from Satan that usually um, individuals bring in the darkness. See, because remember, the enemy can't take any territory that we don't give him. We have to give it up. He cannot come into our lives unless we give him access. And so he needs human beings in order to work his machinations through so in government, what does he do? Let's look at all the ones we spoke about. In government, he brings people to legislate us that have opened portals to the enemy. And so the enemy is directing the votes they have. The enemy is directing the arguments they do. The enemy is directing what are the things that they support because they've opened a portal, a way, a, a door to the enemy, right? We have the capacity to shift the atmosphere, We have the capacity to shift the atmosphere because Christ is where? In us. He's in us. He is the hope of glory. Scripture says he's the hope of glory. We are here to advance his kingdom. Not mine. The enemy can come up against us, but he cannot defeat us because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. He can come up against us, he can harass us, he can try to oppress us, but he cannot possess us, and he cannot take over our lives unless we give him access. Do you understand that? He cannot torment you unless you let him do that. God has told us how to combat these issues. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And what is the keys? The authority. Let's look at the authority he gave us. What you bind, let's read it. Let's read that. That's on verse um, 19. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what you bind, heaven takes the initiative. We speak it, and heaven says, yep, we're moving in that direction. We're moving to let that prayer come about. Heaven takes the initiative. We have authority to bring his kingdom to every sphere. Now remember what the ecclesia did in gathering together as a public, remember that? What did we say? We said it was in things of uh, uh, civil, political, social, all of those areas, all of those spheres. We have the ability to bring his kingdom to every one of those spheres. That we don't do it is another thing, but we have the ability and we have the authority, greater than that, the authority. What you lose, You can also loosen things. And so to bind means to forbid. We're going to forbid your practice. can prevent something from coming to the church. You can prevent a lot of things from coming to the church if we know how to bind things. Forbid them. You can bind demonic forces. You can bind addictions. You can bind uh, illnesses. If we believe the word. That we have the key. The authority. We can loosen things. We can, which means to allow and permit. We can lose deliverance. We can lose healing. Remember what I told you? When we go out there and we walk, we're going to be binding some things and we're going to be loosening some things. That our neighborhood, the families and the children in this neighborhood need. We have to be very intentional. Just because you walk in the street doesn't mean that your mind is not in prayer. That uh, your mind is not asking God for certain things. And as you walk the streets, you might be having a sense in the spirit of some things you need to pray for. Specifically for that block you're on or that street or you're in front of a home and God puts in your heart to pray certain things. Being sensitive to the spirit when we do evangelism. John fifteen seven says, and I'm almost done. Look, I'm at my last page. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me. And my word abides in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, the things that we're asking for are not silly things. We're not asking for the latest model Cadillac. No, if you abide in me, we're going to be asking for the things that are the heart of God. And once we do that, we put his kingdom first, all things are added to us. Do you understand that? It's It's praying, excuse me, praying with understanding. Praying with them, if you abide in me, I'm going to abide in you. Abiding in him means that we are totally committing ourselves to, God, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? God, what is it that you want me to pray for? What is it that you want me to fast for, Lord? I want to abide in you. I want to be a reflection of your heart. Things like that. The church is not just to get together and sing and soak in his presence. Isn't that wonderful? We sit here, we sing a song, and we, that last song, you just wanted to soak. But have to bind and loose. You have to go out and be the ecclesia. Be the ecclesia. Next week, I'm going to finish the second part of this. Hopefully, it's the second part. Very wonderful things that God is bringing but I want you to leave here today understanding your identity, understanding who Christ is, who, is, who he is for us. Understanding that we have, as Ecclesia have a function, you know, a responsibility towards the kingdom of God. Be Ecclesia. Be all these things. Pray. You got to have a prayer life. All right? Bow your heads. Let's pray. Amen. If you need prayer, because you say, wow, I don't think that I'm part of Ecclesia. You know, I haven't done some of these things and I haven't committed myself to to this. To being part of God's body, right? This is your day. We will pray with you. Because this is important. It's important that you make that declaration for yourself. So that you know that you are part of God's kingdom. You're a citizen of his kingdom you are part of the body of christ see that's so important to have that connection with your lord and your savior so if you need that prayer we will pray with you okay um you're not alone in this we're all walking together right so if anybody needs prayer raise a hand and we're going to pray with you all right amen we're going to pray with you so um this is important. This is really important. We want to pray with you. It's important. You're important to us, right? So I'm going to ask you to trust me in this and step forward. And we're going to have somebody here waiting for you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're all, here. We're all in this together, right? There was a moment that I had to make my own, de- de- you know, decision for God, too. So I'm going to ask some of our elders. They're going to come up here and they're going to, they're going to meet this wonderful couple, I'm gonna ask some of our elders come forward, you know, and they're gonna meet you right over here, right over here. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to the family of Christ. Welcome, welcome, sweetheart. Welcome to the family of Christ. Amen. They're gonna meet you right here. They're gonna pray with you because we're all praying together. We want the same things you want. So they're gonna hear. This is Elder Lisa, Elder Ron. They're gonna be here. And they're gonna pray with you. Amen. Anybody that needs prayer, we're gonna pray with you. You're not alone. And then over here, my sister's coming forward. Are you coming for prayer, sister? Okay, Joey, Abby, can you, can you meet her? They're going to meet you. They're going to meet you over here. All right? Okay, they're going to meet you over here then. We're going to pray with you. We're in this together. This is what being part of a community of faith is. Right? This is important. All right, so as they pray... We congregation are praying. We ecclesia are praying. Right? We're praying. That's what God has called us to do. You know? So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful this morning, this afternoon, for your presence. We're thankful for your word. Lord, we can't say it enough how thankful we are that you've given us a guide that will lead us and direct us, Lord, on your paths. We're thankful, oh Lord, for those that came before us that have shown us what it is to have commitment and to give our all to you. Lord, let us be able to walk the path in the same way. Lord, we pray that you continue to draw our hearts to your word, that your word continue to fill us, Lord, and teach us and train us in your ways. We ask, O Lord, that we not only think of ourselves, but we think of our brothers and our sisters, the needs that they may have, Lord, and that you supply every single one of their needs according to your riches in heaven. Above all, Lord, that we seek your perfect will in our lives and in the things that we do. Let us seek you in all things. We pray, O Lord, for this young group of children that are coming up in this church, Lord, I pray for every single one of them, Lord, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they may have dreams and visions of you, that they may be hungry in their little hearts. Let them be hungry for you, Lord. Let them desire to know you better, to know Jesus. Lord, and I pray that you strengthen them as they go through the battles and the struggles that they're going to have in the school systems. Lord, keep our children protected. Put a shield of protection about them. Lord, let your guardian angels walk with them, Lord, and keep them in all things, Lord. I pray for them, whether they're in elementary school, whether they're in middle school or high school. Lord, yes, even college. Lord, so many things could happen in the college level. Lord, I just pray that their minds are steadfast on you. That they keep you in the forefront of everything that they learn and are taught. That they may be able to measure it with your word. And see that your word outweighs it all so father i pray i pray for my brother and my sisters that have come forth for prayer lord can you bless them can you bless their homes can they see from this moment forward lord that you are blessing them that your hand has turned on their behalf in your in their fa- in your favor lord that they be able to see their lives change and transform from this moment forward we pray we pray for this so oh lord we pray for our community lord We know there's so many lives that need you, Jesus. Let us be your hands. Let us be your feet. Let us walk out there, Lord, and let us take the precious word of the gospel to them. We pray, Lord, knowing that you've heard every one of our prayers. We're thankful, Lord, for what you're doing today. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. And God's people say, amen. Amen. Be blessed.